that building full of grace, I dreamt that I was with the devil below in his great big fiery hall, where the devil was giving a ball. I checked my coat and hat and started gazing at the merry crowd who came to witness the show, and I must confess to you, there were many there I knew. Welcome to Dispatches, a friendly conversation about hell and some other stuff. I am Jacob, and with me are my co-hosts, Jamin. Hello. And Victoria. Hello. And I was very subdued. <laughs> I don't know why. I think it's... I'm I was going to say be... that was very, very elegant. And I'm trying to be sophisticated. Sophisticated. Oh, okay. Exactly I was the gonna, word. I was going to ask you if you were sick. Oh, no. No. And this is episode 78 of The Dispatchist. Greed is good. Question yes, mark. It is. <laughs> Exclamation point. No, what is it? In Tirabang. In Tirabang. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the great bureau of punctuation marks. Give me all your Tirabangs. I must have. <laughs> so okay. while I was in Oklahoma a couple of weeks ago, I found a book that checked all of my boxes. Well, three of my boxes. I'm showing it to you now, but you can't see it. I mean, you can't see it. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you hold it in front of your face, we can see it. There you no, go. His face just oh, disappears. No, wait, <laughs> his face disappears. I guess if you hold it in front of your chest. It's it's called Little Pilgrim's Progress oh, by yes. Helen Taylor uh -huh. and Joe Suthpin. And it is an adorable, like, Redwall-style illustrated version of uh, Pilgrim's Progress for kids. And it is so sweet and so pretty. I'm very excited by this book. So. You posted a picture of that, which it looks adorable. Do they have, what is the sequel to, it's something like Mr. Badman or Mr. Pilgrim's Bad. Pride. <laughs> is it? It, have, it should have been Pilgrim's Regress. I mean, it's, that would make perfect uh, sense. Pilgrim's Exodus. Let's see. It has some name like Mr. Bad or there's, um, again. Mr. Gone. <laughs> <laughs> I read Pilgrim's Progress. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading it. It's like, I don't know if I'm enjoying this or not. I don't know if I've read it or not. It is 101% just in your face allegory. Yes. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like they don't, mm -hmm. they don't even disguise it. It's listen, I, dear reader, I you are the pilgrim. I think it basically like sets the standard for allegory as a, an undesirable genre. Oh, uh, no. I'm sure Dante did that. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, I can't figure it out. I saw a reference to um, another, I think it was related to Pilgrim's Progress, uh, kind of sequel that dealt a lot with specifically the seven deadly sins, which I need to, I need to find that again for as okay. reference. Mm -hmm. we'll, be, we'll be stuck in this, in this rut for a few days yet. So there's time. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I have, I have ideas. I have ideas that you guys aren't going to like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So before we get started, did anything? So before we get started, did anything? Bring... So did you bring words Jacob... to the party? Hey Jacob, I, I brought something to the party. I have a master's degree. So before we get started, did anybody bring anything to the party? I brought uh, two pot pies, ooh. two chicken pot pies. Wait, yeah. and okay. you'll notice there's three of us. Right, oh, and you're gonna eat them all. That is unfortunate. I actually tried to give away those pot pies yesterday, so I'm glad someone got them. No, oh, they're pot pies. These came from work. 
Oh, oh wow. There's two pot pies in the freezer that have been there for many a day. Okay. Kind of, so um, I have four pot pies. Some of which are frozen bricks. And there are uh-huh. three of us. Okay. Now, this is a experiment in covetous, covetousness and hunger. Oh. I don't okay. know what the control is or what's going to happen. There were just two pot pies and I grabbed them. I love pot pie. They're pot kind pie. of good. Yeah. Do you have uh, Do they have both the top and bottom crust? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. And they're like individually made with like the silicone. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can see this at home. I could tell. Yeah. Uh-huh. A little yeah. bit fancy. A little bit fancy. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I love uh, chicken. You'll have to make sure you give me one <laughs> or two or four. You know, you can oh, be greedy. Arm wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> I brought a drink. Yes. Is this it is- the world's world's fanciest martini? Oh, no. Is that such a thing that I missed? I don't know. It's the one that has the thing that has like a diamond in it. And oh, so you choke right. or something yeah. like that. Of, of akin to the world's most expensive milkshake where the ingredients oh, are not as important as the glass. I feel like a failure that I did not bring that to the party. Oh, I only have like, so many diamonds. Yeah, it's like the, the world's <laughs> fanciest, you know, bourbon shot in a beer. I just, yeah, I feel like my life is, I, 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 I don't know Aww. what my life is anymore. But anywho, I'll try to save it with this. So this is called A Gilded. Okay, and good. This, oh, good title. It is, isn't it? And this is a series from, or it's part of a series from ionchannel.com. I think we mentioned this before, that greed is associated with a frog and the color is yellow. So we're going to have to look at the uh, lantern core um, <laughs> to see. Yellow, yellow is fear. Greed is orange. I know this because I think the Orange Lantern is an amazing character, and I I spent like probably six hours reading his comics. And so, their gluttony and greed are conflated. Uh, combined, and mostly gluttony is is very like third tier in this guy's mindset. Right. Uh, his his uh his motto is like, "What's mine is mine, what's yours is mine." Yes, it's all mine. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but, his name is his name is Larflees, and he's amazing. He's your new, yeah. He's your he's your new. I, I don't know if he'll be more important to you than Brewer, though. Probably mm-hmm. not. He's kind yeah. of like horrible looking. It's true. I mean, I, I, this I don't know. I can't really make an argument for Brewer not being kind of horrible looking too. But he's he's he's, uh, he's, yeah. he's kind of a this is kind of a crazy comedy character, and I I he's my new favorite DC character for sure. Are you talking your new role model? Your new comic crush or your new hero? None of the three. Oh, maybe new hero. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he's not going to replace Boer. No, no, Nobody no. Nobody can ever replace him. It's true. Them. Um, also, he might hear you. So just. Sh- sh- <laughs> so your punishment in hell, this is all part of the uh, um, literature, the text with this, uh, the description of this drink, but. Uh, for the sin of greed, your punishment in hell is that you'll be boiled alive in oil. Um, but keep in mind that it's the finest, mo- most luxurious boiling oil that money oh. can buy, but it's still boiling. So, is this is the beverage. Well, this is you suffer the punishment, and the beverage kind of mirrors the oil that you will be boiled. What in. the hell? Okay. And it is. It is. Uh, it's. It's delicious. It sounds pretty delicious, but it's. Uh, Created by master mixologist Nick Nistico. 
And so it's three ounces of Stoli Gold, one mm -hmm. ounce Lilit Blonde. You stir it gently with ice. You strain neat. You have an orange twist garnish and you serve ice cold like your greedy little heart. And in the photo, <laughs> I'll send you the photo, but it has like a little spider garnish. Aww. So, mm -hmm, it's pretty cute. Pretty cute. So, yeah, that's what I, that's my drink. It'll go well with a chicken pot pie. Everything mm -hmm. goes well with a chicken pot pie. It's I did true. bring some light entertainment. Okay. Uh, being licked by and turned into lions in the Tower of Usurers. So that's how you become a lion is getting licked? Yes, in in hell at least, uh -huh. and presumably in the like level of greed. Yes. Okay. So, so once you become a lion, do you lick others and turn them into lions? Uh, I, that is how the serpent thing worked in Dante's uh, self harm level. So I'm going to assume right. yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so there's this never ending like cycle of lion licking. Licked. Yeah, <laughs> never ending yeah. lion licking. It's true. <laughs> I love that. I love that. It's just it's you, nice. It's nice. You get licked, turn into a lion. You immediately turn around, lick the next person in line. They become a lion. So it's a but lion licking lion. They are usurers, though. So cruelty to bears, that. right? It, we, yes. yes. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to stop using that joke. It's all now right. No, <laughs> it's also cruel and crabs <laughs> and crabs. Uh, some sometimes you lick them and they turn into crabs. Um. At some point, we're going to run out of souls of the damned. To turn into crabs? To, yeah, lick, to, lick to lick. Into lions? <laughs> I'm going to lick you into a lion. Okay. Uh, <laughs> did anybody bring any hell news? Oh, I've got, I've got two pieces of hell news. Oh, awesome. I have two. Okay, so first one is that for fans of uh, Archie Comics. And oh, yes. Ooh. I am a huge fan of the worst television show ever riverdale i don't oh. think it's terrible but a lot of people think it's terrible i freaking loved riverdale because it was so it just got so baroque that's the best word to describe it ba baroque baroque uh-huh but i loved it i loved every just insane moment of it but so um Archie Comics, uh, there's going to be a new series called Archie Comics Judgment Day, um, when where Archie is sent to hell. So he is stuck in an alternate version of Riverdale, and it's filled with demonic versions of his friends, and he has to kill them all. So the... Um, creator... Finally, of... Reggie <laughs> dies. <laughs> well, this is funny because Cole Sprouse, who plays Jughead in Riverdale is now in the movie, uh, was it a, uh, oh, something Frankenstein, the little girl Frankenstein or the teenage Frankenstein. Somebody just sent me information about this, but there's a new great, ah, Lisa Frankenstein. Oh, what a great name. Um, it, I just yes. caught the reference to Lisa Frank. Yeah. Ah, that's funny. And I, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to reference an article by an author named Lisa Frank that I don't know. If she's the same Lisa Frank or not, I doubt it. But yeah, so we have multiple Lisa Frank references. But yeah, so Paul Sprouse plays Jaghead. And it would be kind of nice to see Archie off everybody. Um, 
But uh, so the creator, uh, Jesse Goldwater, says Judgment Day places Archie Andrews squarely at the center, acting as our hero, but with the power to choose who lives and who dies. Can he truly remain a hero through and through? Mm. The entire fate, the fate of the entire world is in Archie's hands. I think Archie's, yeah, his only hero, his only attribute is he's affable. In Riverdale, he's not. Really? That's strange. There's so many dark, like it's the, it's, it's dark. It's, it's Sabrina dark, but without the devil. Or the cute girls. Right. Mm -hmm. I guess there's some cute girls, but not as cute as Sabrina. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I look forward to seeing what Archie does in hell. Um, I, I, I have to say, to I, will be, rest of it. <laughs> I will be sad if he kills Jughead. Jughead is like one of the first gay comic characters we're talking about. So. Oh, yeah. That's I right. can't he's gay, see he's Jughead gay in the comics. Living. Yeah. He's, he's not in they Riverdale. Ma- they made him into a werewolf briefly in, in an I just version. saw that. Yeah. That makes total sense. Oh, because he's always hungry. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sure. Sin of gluttony. Uh-huh. I think that makes total sense that he would be a werewolf. Jughead, like the hunger. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but my second piece of hell news is that we absolutely have to read Purgatorio. That's not and- news. That's, <laughs> I, I don't. But how else am I going to say it? We have to read it because it's Mount Purgatorio where all the sinners are at- atoning for their sins. And each layer of the mountain is a different sin. We... Uh, 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 Maybe and we, we can, yes. Can we get like the amplified new version of Purgatorio? Or... I have that under my desk, actually. Really? Yeah, the uh, that modern urban interpretation. Oh, oh yeah, I liked that one. Yeah, it's got Purgatorio. It's got yeah. three. Okay, maybe after we get back from the the Nova Scotia. Yeah, let's put everything off as long as we can. <laughs> the problem with reading Purgatorio is then we have to read Paradiso, and I have not heard good things about it. Well, I, do we really? I mean, this is immediately applicable. Like, maybe Paradiso will become applicable somewhere else, but this is immediately who applicable. Who here? She has a point. Who among us is going to heaven? Shall we also plan to have an episode on Purgatory? Oh, yeah. I think we or should. Two. That's, a, yeah. that's an important it's episode. Medieval. It's three episodes. Yeah. It's a yeah. very medieval topic. I've got a book on the history of it. Mm-hmm. It's really slow going, which is probably appropriate. Oh, oh, the irony. Yeah, I think we should. I I have, I feel like as I've been researching each individual sin, I found other things that I should have found when I was looking for sin in general, which Mm -hmm. is super frustrating. But there's all this cultural production. Yeah, there's so many interesting cultural, you know, there's tons of literature, movies, other things that are interesting as well that are aligned with the sins. I spent like three weeks trying to get a little statue of the demon in purgatory. And I, I did not succeed in this quite. He so, is a tiny, he's a tiny horse. Oh, but you don't you have a tiny horse? I do, but it's, it doesn't feel right. Uh-oh. It's not the right tiny horse. It's, your mom gave you the tiny horse, right? Did your mom no. give you one? Or did you buy one when we were? I bought one, but it yeah. was not a good one. I bought another one, which is like a, a Fisher Price tiny gotcha. horse. I think you you told your your mom. Yes, and she yes. she she was getting on my case about obsessing about another animal, which <laughs> you can only have one. Right. <laughs> one at a time, Jacob. So before we get to our topic, 
I have a little kind of mental exercise for you. And I don't think it's, it's not a stretch, but sure. I want to, if you kind of put yourself back like a few days before we started researching greed in depth, okay. um, I'd like to ask you like what deadly sin do you feel you have the strongest bond with? Ooh. And, you know, and, and also consider greed in your, in your analysis too, because it is part of today's topic. Oh, okay. But, but, but try and roll up, try and roll it back a few days. Cause I, we, we, we've done a lot of research on greed. Okay. Now, you know, it's, it's, it's our favorite. Is that what you're saying? I mean, it's, it's the one that's in our minds right now. That's true. It's funny. Cause I was going to ask y'all the same thing. Jamie, do you already have one? For those playing along at home, let's list the seven. Gluttony, greed. Uh-huh. Glutton, avarice. Avarice. Uh, avarice, envy. No, avarice is greed. Uh-huh. Gluttony, greed, sloth, pride, wrath, envy. Sneezy. I was going to say sneezy. Lust. Did you get lust? Lust. I think that I, I don't think I got lust. So that's, okay. yeah, that's that's the seven. Um, Unless I said I, lust twice. I am. Yeah, I, I'm glad you asked me because sloth has been killing me since the pandemic. Yeah, okay. I mm-hmm. was actually, I'm going to say that too. Although I think for me, it's, 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 a, it's, I think it's my biggest sin. Honestly, I do. I, I have slept in. I have canceled plans. I have not gone out. Like the past, I think the past, last week, I went out every night with a different coworker. Yeah. And I was like, Christ, how do people do this on a daily basis? Like I get back at like 830 and I'm like, God, oh, time for bed. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just, just getting older. No, pushing <laughs> things off. Pushing <laughs> things off is so easy, and yeah. I, I feel like I've spent. I haven't really been like doing work for the last few days in a meaningful way. It's just maybe it's the winter, but I also think that like with my ADHD and just my personality, I've always been a creature of procrastination. I'm really mm-hmm. good at it. I can time my procrastination pretty well, but it does occasionally get the better of me. And I think that I really think that lust is cut. No. Lust is not my biggest sin. Procrastination, sloth, asceticism, those are my my big ones. I agree. Okay. I'd be more lusty if I could put the effort in. It's true. Like, yeah, if you're procrast, I don't know. Like, it's kind of funny to think about how sloth may be the solution to the sin of lust. <laughs> you know, like maybe we should think about which one fixes the other one. What am I doing in bed tonight? I could be eating crackers as well. So let's add that one to the list. <laughs> but gluttony also can prevent lust. This is true. This is true. Uh-huh. It's funny because I was thinking about this earlier today and I feel like I can't like I would love like, yes, sloth. Like, I'm not good at downtime because I start to get yeah. like, okay, I need to do something that mm. I get depressed if I'm not doing anything. So I kind of am not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not uh, disposed to sloth, but yeah. I'm also like, I do like to eat, but I kind of know when to stop. I used to drink <laughs> more. I don't drink as much, nearly as much as I used to. Um, I think, let's see. Anger. I'm not such a, I'm not a super angry person. Lust. I mean, you know, like it's fine. Um, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, greed. I am not a greedy person. I was just going to say, you not, you're not a sloth. You're not slothful because uh-huh. you don't like downtime. 
And my question was going to be, are you agreed for accomplishment? Are you greedy for accomplishment? Oh, no, I don't care if I accomplish anything. You just can't be down. <laughs> yeah, I want to I ask, is it still not sloth if you're and I, I, I like I had a crush on somebody who did this. They fill up their lives with so much stuff that they can't do the important stuff. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's me. And I think that might, <laughs> that might be like the manic, the manic version of sloth. Oh, totally. Totally. I mean, yeah, you know, that's that's my neurological yeah. situation as yeah. bipolar, too. Like, OK, like, so. A, a, yeah. Acetivism <laughs> is procrastination and or spiritual procrastination, particularly. And that may be it's it's been folded into sloth, but it's one of the secret sins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where was I going with this? Oh, so what what have we not touched on? You said envy. You said lust. You're OK. Greed. You're not greedy. Uh huh. Envy. Oh, I would say maybe. Oh, pride. No, not pride. I would say envy. That's my biggest one. Really? Huh. And it's, it's not for things. It's more like <laughs> this is going to. OK, so I feel like we've we've talked like we've opened up a lot, a lot of things on this podcast. And so this makes me look really, really bad. But I am envious when other people get attention oh. that I don't get. Yeah, uh -huh. I think that's, that's that's like where pride and envy are holding hands. Yeah, I think and you're right. Yeah. And whispering in each other's ears. Um, <laughs> uh, I think but... I think pride pride may be my my alt to sloth because like I'm I'm very I'm a little bit pretentious and a little like any any and kind of kind of judgy. Really, that sort of thing. Is that jealousy? Is jealousy envy? Yeah, they're they're friends. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's such a there's a big uh, giant Venn diagram of all of these things. I think where they all kind of intersect, and like I said, they kind of work together. Some can work in opposition. Um, but yeah, I'd say I'm pretty good with envy being my my main one. Mm -hmm. So we'll come back to this at the end of the episode. Uh oh, uh oh, as, as the other half of the activity. Okay. Okay. Um, All with right. our with our newfound mastery of greed. Okay. Oh, Jamin, what are, what were you? Sloth. 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Uh, mm -hmm. Do we want to start with some uh, cinema here? Oh yeah, sure. Cinema. Let's start with some cinema. Mm. I'd like to I'd like to dive into the latest installment of Heaven's Experiments or whatever it's called. <laughs> kids kids object lessons greed versus generosity oh oh man you said cinema and then you went it's, to youtube it's uh it's more yeah. soda soda bottled based instruction on right. virtue yeah and that I goes of, horribly awry and sort of what the hell um, lessons that don't quite work. Is her, is she deliberately setting herself up for like experimental failure? Because like nothing works, nothing works for this one. Nothing has worked so does far. Nothing she, has worked so know far. you can have a second take? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the Salvation Army can't afford one. What is her name? Do we know her name yet? Um, I don't think she has a name. Do I don't even to... know if she's legit. I think she just, I think this is some sort of weird, like she just swoops in, grabs a kid, does <laughs> this bizarre soda, soda bottle shape, you know, based 
and Ex- they never experiments. find they never find the kid's body. <laughs> I was gonna say, is that why they only do it one take? Like you only get one kid? That's yeah. right. Yeah. Every single one involves chemicals that she doesn't explain and foam like things foaming or exploding. Right. Well, there's only a limit to the number to the number of, you know, simple experiments you can do. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Um, more fire next time, I think would be good. Um, today's experiment was with Caitlin, who seemed a lot more like on the ball than the previous oh, yeah. two. Yes. Yeah, I think she she, she was kind of side eye. Yeah, she was kind of like wondering, why am I here? What are you trying to prove? And I uh-huh. was really uncertain about what we were trying to prove, too. It looked like there was three soda bottles filled with dried urine. It's liquid cocaine. It's rehydrated mm-hmm. dried urine. Liquid cocaine would be very expensive for the Salvation Army. Maybe it's like That's liquid f- biker speed. <laughs> okay, that, I'll buy that. Mm-hmm. So There's three bottles, one that was like a little generosity, a medium generosity, and a lot of generosity. Mm-hmm. And then three small cups filled with espresso, I think. Oh, maybe. whiskey. Whiskey. Okay, whiskey. so whiskey, uh-huh. whiskey and cocaine. Uh-huh. Yep. So over the course of this experiment, we take the three bottles of, you know, the three shot glasses of whiskey, dump them into the... Uh, hobo crack <laughs> bottles and see how the experiment plays out and it doesn't is it is doesn't no i have a lot of questions <laughs> i think the the prime moment where i was fully on caitlin's side was when she realized that the medium bottle was going off before the lot of better yeah, yeah, because yeah. she was kind of like shifting, like, is this supposed to happen? I mean, yeah. aren't we supposed to like, are, so we're not supposed to be too generous. Yeah. Really? Well, hey, yeah. back to generosity. <laughs> That's right. Medium generosity is the best Need show. some for yourself. Well, and then the like the, the, the low generosity bottle also started overflowing too. So I learned right. nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It just it's took like, a little, and she even pointed that out. Like, oh, this one's going now too. <laughs> it, it, uh, the word, the word bukake spiral immediately came to mind seeing this thing gush oh with God. joy. It was so pretty. It was. But it, it became was. a serpent. It did also, yes, all spiraling things are serpents and therefore evil. And and our uh, our intrepid scientist was like, oh, my God, that's so cool. <laughs> she kept like messing with it. So I have a question. Mm-hmm. Is having your counter covered with brown chemical foam desirable? <laughs> Plot twist. It wasn't her counter. Oh, OK. Well, uh, she was. Hey, Karen, can I set up this experiment in your kitchen for a video I'm doing for the Salvation Army? <laughs> Sneak in, cover <laughs> counters with foam. But at least this time she planned ahead. She had garbage bags on the table because things always spill or catch fire. Yeah. And she had inexplicably she had she was wearing plastic gloves. OK, my 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 feeling on this is that unless brown foam is a valuable substance, the one that makes the least mess is the most desirable. So yeah, less generosity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're well, right. the bottle mark less generosity, but that is a more generous act to not force someone to clean up. Oh, mm. but she talked about the large, you know, the most generosity spreading and right. then dripping the, into a trash onto, can. Onto the carpet. <laughs> The dog licks it up and dies. <laughs> Having been one who's made his fair share of messes in Jacob's kitchen. Mm-hmm. Which is a mess anyway. Right. Season of sloth. <laughs> Let's just say I spill something massive in Jacob's kitchen. Does he grab a garbage bag? No, it's useless. Mm-hmm. Does he grab the fire extinguisher? No, it's useless. Like 
garbage bags don't do anything. Was she really prepared? Is she ever? Is she ever really prepared? That's what (laughs) I'm wondering. Her shirt was ironed. Yeah, I just feel like so far her hitting ratio is like sin three, uh, Barbara one or zero even. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh I did I, I did like I did like Caitlin in this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very think, yeah. Caitlin very discerning well. youth. Yeah, yeah. I res- I I I'm on her side. Yeah. yeah. I'm hoping just you know, just for our friend's sake that just you know, something comes through for her. She just has mm. one moment, like just one victory. Just one. If I maybe, just save one we'll child with from pride. Hell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and you're right. Like the previous experiment talked about sin being this kind of murky brown liquid. Oh, and now uh, now now generosity is a murky brown. Everything oh. everything is murky brown liquids. It's true. Well, mine was a, a foamy white liquid. I'd oh, like true, to say true, and and one of them was on fire or something like it burned. <laughs> Should we mention that this might be in show notes and clickable depending on the platform you use yeah as was last time too you know i'm, I'm about six months behind on show notes but i did add the link to the last video oh, i wonder yay. if they're gonna notice that there's a, a minor minor a minor uptick like oh we got five more views <laughs> <laughs> how many views does she have now i'm curious i bet oh. they have quite a few i think they're a pretty big church we also yeah. raised it like seven times seven or eight views just <laughs> just well, just watching us. it uh-huh. um 5,400 views. Wow. Yeah, I think we could do good. better than that. Well, I have to I mean, say, she's, oh, she's no Miss Rachel. I have to say, if we were to create our own parody version of something like this, this is what we would do. Yes. Bad where everything that don't goes quite really poorly, and the kids uh, are clearly like, I think what is happening? Every experiment <laughs> is foam in a bottle with different moral justifications. <laughs> That's right. With different quote unquote chemicals. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. And the same thing happens. The bottle just overflows and, you know, we, we explain it that this is, this is, this is sloth. <laughs> sure. And like <laughs> just a really hung over, like, yeah, it's, it's fucking sloth. <laughs> Whatevs. Like, come on. <laughs> Do I have to keep doing that? Oh, there's, there's five more. <laughs> Jesus. So how else do we begin this talk of uh, greed today? Oh, well, yes. I like the easy ones. Okay. Okay. What is greed and what isn't greed? Okay. All right. Okay. Good. Surprisingly Uh not easy, I think. Um, Uh, I was hoping it'd be easy. Well, I think the definition of greed is fairly easy. Greed is, and I I haven't seen this one go in too many different directions. Primarily, it's a love of money. Secondarily, it's a love of stuff. Tertiarily, it's an inordinate uh, desire for thing. But I saw a really good definition that made me very happy. Mm Mm-hmm. Aquinas, uh, fairly major primary source here. Aquinas said that greed is an inordinate is greed is an inordinate desire for the useful good, lust and gluttony for the delightful good. Oh, and that was very it's, helpful. Actually, it kind of contextualizes greed as it's the flip side of something constructive. I mean, greed is tied to preservation of the self and defensive stuff and preparing for the unknown. It's setting up barriers against disaster okay aquinas Um, you get this one just this once yeah 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Taken taken to its extreme. So I I read about this specifically on an article about the deadly sins of the digital age Mm -hmm. from Reformation 21. It was a good article. And he points out this is not necessarily true in an era where you have non-material goods and you can create wealth. But greed is a sin against one's neighbor because greed requires you to get a bigger slice of the pie, which does definitionally create conflict by taking away from other people's pie manifolds. Ah, okay. Well, um, I was going to say, I, I, a lot of what I'm going to be talking about today comes from one of those New York Public Library lectures. Oh, yeah, those were good. Mm-hmm, by Phyllis Tickle this time. It was oh, a I, pretty... have, I have Tickle stuff to say, too. I have Tickle oh, stuff. <laughs> you got Tickle stuff. Did you read that one? Uh, I read a summary of it, and it had some points that were interesting. Okay, yeah, because I, I have a, I have a, some extended interesting yeah. stuff about it, too. And Phyllis oh. Tickle is a really well-known religious writer. She's been writing since, I think, the 50s or so. It's it, really she's, good. She's, She's a name to conjure with. Yeah, mm. and she had amazing footnotes. Her name is a tickling word. <laughs> <laughs> but in in the the kind the one of the organizing factors of her lecture is that in um I think it's who is it that decided that greed is not pride because Aquinas said pride, right? But greed is actually the mother of all sins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that was uh, from a Sikh text. Ah, um, okay. Along, along with kind of the sentiment that, no, I, that was the title of her like thesis here, was that greed is the, um, right, the, the mother, matriarch uh-huh. of the deadly clan. But it's true. Um, like there's a, what is it? The I'm not going to say this correctly, but there's a, a document, a Hindu document that says greed is the real dirt, not dust. Greed is the term for real dirt. The wise have shaken off this dirt and the dirt remains uh, religion live. There's something else that I think was mentioned that it is the center of all greed. Oh, yes. Buddhism also believes that it is the center of the craving that leads to all other sins. And yet, and yet. Haven't we and heard yeah. the same thing about every deadly sin we've covered? It's true, but not gluttony. Gluttony's pretty good. low key. <laughs> it's true, gluttony's fine, um, but it is interesting to me because I don't know. Like, I have an extended. I have a story that actually posits literally greed as the mother of all sins. Let's hear it. Hmm. I don't know. Are we ready for that? We're preemptively disagreeing with it, so. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, wait. Um, okay. Yes. Sorry. I, I wasn't expecting to start this so soon, but <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready for it. I'm ready to. Are you familiar with Aurelius Clemens Prudentius? No, but I like his last name. And his Psychomachia? Psychomachia? That sounds familiar, but I think it's a Dungeon and Dragons monster. I was okay. going to say it's when you take caramel syrup and you drizzle it over your latte. That is just strictly delicious. I like psycho macchia. Mm-hmm. So that's a psycho macchiato. So this oh. was <laughs> not a flat white. Um, so 
this was a epic length allegory or uh, allegory poem um, that was enormously popular around, he wrote it around 405 CE, and it was enormously pop- popular till the 15th century. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that after I explain to you what the story is. Okay. Okay. So, um, translated, the title means soul battle or battle for the soul. Now, now it makes sense. Yeah, now it makes sense because um, remember the, the Odyssey, Telemachus? Yes. He who uh-huh. fights from afar, it's that Machus. Okay. So Psychomachus, the, the fighting of the... Okay. Okay. Thank you, Victoria. Now I understand. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> you did. You, you just said it's the, the soul fighting. And soul together, fighting. together we find truth. <laughs> if we just, if none of us do anything, then we're all going to figure it out. Um, so anywho, so uh, there's seven extreme battles, uh, one for each sin, where uh, each one is personified as a human being. Notably, all are women. And every other reference to greed that I found refers to greed as female or in um, paintings, art depicted as female. Interesting note to me. But uh, there are other human beings that are part of this, but they're kind of minions or they're actually prizes that are won from these battles. All of the battles are like hilariously bloody. And I'll talk a little bit more about that too. But this could be where the personification of sins kind of came into popularity that, you know, what we see in Fairy Queen and in Chaucer, uh, just sort of taking those sins and making them kind of caricatures in literature and art. The story, okay? Luxury, we started with luxury, which is lust in many cases. Like, uh, I think the original term for lust was luxuria. Okay. So, luxury. So the, oh, go ahead. He- hedonism sort of thing. Yeah. So, first, first uh, lady sin on the battlefield is luxuria, and she is defeated by sobriety. In this first fight, lust drops her bow and arrow. Vanity's robes are dragged off. Allurements, garlands are shredded, strife's jewelry is scattered, pleasure flees barefoot, and the battlefield is littered with all this detritus. So each one of the sins also has an entourage, too, of all of these kind of sub-sins. So greed comes in, and her minions are care, hunger, fear, anxiety, perjury, dread, fraud, fabrication, sleeplessness, and sordidness. Boy, sleeplessness is a sin? Another another person associated um, like deception and fraud and lying with greed more than the other sins. I thought that was kind of interesting. It is interesting. And um, there's there's more. <laughs> there's Aquinas, always more. Aquinas associated that. <laughs> yeah. I kind of got like lost the plot of who I think. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to look back at my notes to see who actually centered. Um, there are other cultures that center greed as the, the main um, sin. But so greed, all of these crimes are described by Prudentius as the brood of their mother greed's black milk. So greed is literally, literally, literally the mother of all evil. So they all come out and they loot the battlefield, as you would suspect, right? Hmm. And that is, that's kind of the love of money is the root of all evil. Is yes. uh, It's a Greek, a Greek concept as well, I think, Greek or Roman. Yep, yep, yep. yep. So then she tries to seduce some priests 
greed. Unfortunately, uh, Reason, who's the, pretty uh, called the guardian of the tribe of, of Levi, saves all the priests but a few. Greed mm-hmm. then gets really, really angry, and she has like this big monologue and vows to capture by subterfuge what she cannot conquer by force. Mm-hmm. Thus, she changes her clothes and her demeanor and becomes thrift. This is Dante does this as well. Yes. Uh-huh. So as Thrift, she claims that all of her miserliness and hoarding, maybe even some of her cheating, were done to benefit her children. So this is that like, okay, greed does have potentially a benefit of survival and providing, but it can be uh, perverted. So the humans within her range start to start to follow her ways, seeing them as virtues. And as uh, Prudentia says, the wicked fiend finds them cheerful victims, happy to uh, live in her shackles. So good works eventually chases greed away, but that's the least interesting part of the story. Nobody cares at that point. Uh, no, greed, no, no. Greed is, greed is the most interesting part of the story, as are the super bloody battles of all the sins. But the thing that matters most out of all this is that um, the story established... Uh, Greed sex. So greed consistently then after this is portrayed as female, her image as the mother of a deadly clan, her ability to change into a false virtue upon demand, and also the understanding that greed is actually sin of apostasy of desiring a life subject uh, to subject control over the vulnerable and to trust in the unseen. Hmm. Uh, Aquinas kind of lists the daughters of greed as well. Uh, fraud, lying, perjury, dissatisfaction, and restlessness, which... I guess sleeplessness? Yeah, well, kind of drifty and things like that. Mm. But I feel like we were all kind of talking about that. Violence, which I think that is a very strange assertion because violence feels like wrath. But, but greed leads to violence. Yes, it it, it does. It can. Mm-hmm. Like there's uh, a lot of killing, killing for things. And hard-heartedness. Oh, uh-huh. And Aquinas also says that greed is grounded in fear. So that kind of is picked up with what you, with the story you were telling as well. Um, although, unlike like gluttony or lust, Aquinas suggests that greed can infect entire nations, uh, bringing, them, bringing them into hard-heartedness and cruelty. And Go I figure. feel that feels right right now. It yeah. really does. Yeah. yeah, I know. A lot of the stuff I was reading, uh, specifically this lecture, I think it's from 2002. And, uh, you know, it was post like immediately post 9-11 and talking about like, oh, this crazy world we live in and, you know, how terrible it is. And it's like, oh, my God, like that seems in so many ways like Bernie Madoff was, you know, the bad guy um, as well as, you know, terrorist. But it still seems so like, oh, man. You don't know the half of what's going to Yeah, just happen. wait. Just wait, yeah. kid. Um, not, not to bring us down in this podcast of hell, but have you read Shock Doctrine? No. Uh-uh. It's such a downer. Um, okay. I mean, it's, it's a powerful book. It's it's a pretty popular modern economics sociology text, but the idea is that um, multinationals and oligarchs take advantage of crises to siphon resources out of the area by just siphoning research out of the area. So like in the wake, in the wake of the um, hurricane Sandy, Louisiana school districts lost a lot of money because Um, contractors Uh pulled it out there, that sort of thing. Anyway, it's really very heightens this idea of like greed, cruelty, tyranny at the same time. 
Can I can I make us make it a little light again? Kind of. Sure. Okay, so I found also that there are several extant copies of this, specifically illuminated or illustrated copies of this out into oh, out wow. in the world. And the British Library has this great blog entry about this, about uh, Psychomachia, calling it an early medieval comic book. What does Miss Greed look like? (laughs) Well, she looks like your usual, uh, you know, illuminated manuscript chick. But um, so, again, like I said, it was hugely popular. So this is, you know, pre-printing press. But again, it was still kind of like of the broadsheet tone because it was super super gory and so there's two copies are at the british library so i think we need to have a road trip Mm. um but they were these these manuscripts were produced in england in the 10th and 11th centuries and they like comics they feature illuminations that are in bordered frames and they have captions to summarize the really fast-paced plot line the virtues are, you know, seven female champions of the Christian faith, faith against the pagan idolaters. And um, the deaths of each vice are comically violent, like faith beheads idolatry, chastity slays lust with their sword, and sobriety uses the cross of the Lord to sabotage indulgences chariot before striking her with a flint stone. Oh my God, it's like a two-person fight. It's like a two-person fighter. And so there are all these great illustrations in this article. But interestingly, the whole purpose of this was to be used as a classroom aid um, by Anglo-Saxon monks. Okay. And so the question remains, like, why would they study such a graphic text? And so the argument here is that because monks lived in a warrior society yet were not able to physically fight, they were fighting on the battlefield of, you know, fighting for a spiritual battle. And so this kind of allows them that heroism of sort of virtually having these battles. And so, yeah, so it just kind of, you know, bolsters their belief that they are actually doing this work in teaching these spiritual battles and portraying the heroism with, and sort of associating okay. themselves with that heroism. And that's not the sin of pride. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, I was reading some stuff and it's kind of, you know, there's a lot of allegedly monks didn't, you know, engage in sex or lust and it allegedly not greed and allegedly. I was reading a little, little thing by Father Mark Hamlet, who said that greed Mark is a disorder. Hamill? No, yes. Okay. Father Mark Hamill uh-huh. said that greed, greed is a disordered love of the goods of the world, particularly riches possessions money a love of knowledge could be greed as well and i thought that was what? um oh, we're we're screwed that was challenging are, there actually, i'm so are we greedy fine? are we are we are we i mean i think we're kind of on the fence like is what we do knowledge oh <laughs> infotainment i mean i love to amass information like i love doing this research but i don't i don't I guess this is a useful use for it, but I just love to amass inf- like information, knowledge, and then, uh, yeah, it's great because then I just essentially like dive into it like Scrooge McDuck and kind of swim through it. Right. Someday, someday someone is going to need to like bring a clever rejoinder to their Christian neighbor and they're going to wade through 860 <laughs> hours of content to find that quip. <laughs> I know. Well, I see. This is why we get like 
this is why I appreciate this because I have all this crap in my head and you guys have to listen to me and you're, you have, you know, we have kind of similar crap in our heads. We all have similar, there's a lot of, <laughs> lot of garbage out I, there, I, in there, out there, all around. You may not feel greedy. I will 100% feel greedy. It's like, if you tell me something new, I'm immediately going to the Britannica, Wikipedia, and like mm-hmm. academia.edu and I'm gonna start reading papers on this. Like, yeah, this is p- absolute like gluttony and greed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for the yeah, brain. It is. I love it. But you brought up the point about, <laughs> or we were talking about monks, right? So I also have a brief thing about Evergra of Pontus. Did you hear anything Ever- about Evergra? No. How do you even <laughs> that name? How do, how do I even that name? Well, see, you have a soda bottle <laughs> full of liquid biker speed. Well, if, and... <laughs> this this little cup represents monasticism. <laughs> and this is the the, the, the heresy <laughs> bottle. Uh, so it's E V A G R O I S of Pontus. We've heard of we've heard of Pontus many times before. So his work is Practicus. He is a desert father probably a contemporary of Augustine and possibly Pontius, but he taught that women and bishops were the greatest threat to monks. Do without what you will. That's women and bishops. And uh-huh. bishops. And bishops. No, there's no explanation what that means. Oh. Just, Bom- yeah. Buffo. <laughs> so, but, uh, and this kind of goes to... Something you said earlier, Jacob, but his point in Practicus is that greed depends on it's de- it's dependent on ifs and might be. So, yeah, um, it's, yes. it's 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 a lot of it's I mean, fear is not quite the right word, mm-hmm. but trepidation. Yes. Um, yes. Building up uh-huh. armor. And, you know, if you believe in God's providence, that is like wobbly. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting because. uh Let's see, the scholar Paul Jordan Smith in Seven and More Deadly Sins, which isn't one of the things that I need to look at. Um, but he says that Evagra, however, goes right to the heart of the matter. Avarice is not defined by pure material greed, but by the principle of thinking about what does not yet exist. A kind of oh. preoccupation with imaginary or future things such as hopes and fears. That one could be greedy about one, one, what one fears is a subtlety that escapes our ordinary thinking. The distinctive feature here is that the future enters into the sin. This dif- this differentiates it, differentiates it from sadness, um, which is often related to envy and sloth, in which the future is replaced by the past and present, and which has to do with more immediate deprivations. Okay. Super interesting to me. I like the I like that it doesn't exist yet. I want money. Right. Uh huh. Right. Like that you're helps. kind of striving, right? That and, helps differentiate it from lust and greed too, because those are very not lust and gluttony, because those are very immediate. Like mm-hmm. I didn't think this through th- sins, mm. and and I feel like okay, so the movie Greed, which is where I got my background, this is the one of the posters for it. But and this, so this is where hoarding comes in. Like you have money or you have resources, but you hoard them because you fear what's going to happen when you don't have those anymore. You know. And I mean, okay, so there's a there's a thin line between, yes, it's important to have, you know, a retirement plan in place, but also, you know, like, like again, Scrooge McDunkigan, where you mm. have all your money, like, in a pool, and you don't spend it because you can't bear the thought of not having it. 
Hmm. I wonder what the practical difference between that and pennies in heaven is. Oh, so uh, tell me more about that. Well, so the idea of like, and this is this is reducing good works and faith to a very kind of lame metaphor, but the idea that you're storing up treasures in heaven. Mm-hmm. Right, like how, right. That's and if that is a fear-based theology, which I think salvation theology generally is, is that not just a different flavor of greed? I mean, obviously, since the the church is okay with it, then no. But mm-hmm. so, where does prosperity gospel come into this? Then is that kind of similar but it's all about prosperity gods you know that kind of says that god god helps those who help themselves yeah okay yeah 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 <laughs> um, and that doesn't i think that skips the entire concept of analyzing the set of greed by internalizing it mm, okay or, or 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 giving it the nod and a pass right yeah there's there's not a theological conversation there <laughs> no 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 um and i mean Prosperity gospel is purely a capitalist idea. We can come to that a little bit later, how capitalist, like Protestantism equals capitalism equals the future of greed. Uh, So you're, 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 that makes you uncomfortable. No, 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 no. It just kind of grounds us in the world. Okay. Well, I'm going to grant, I I I do have some things to ground us in the world. Well, not much, nothing super depressing, but just some, some philosophies. Okay. Let's let's go back to. I know that Jamin he wanted to talk about something, and I, I I've taken enough air here with my strange my which I need to read. I want to read so I, and I want to if there's a copy out there of the illuminated manuscript, uh, I really want to see that. The illuminated manuscript of what? Of the Psychomachia. Oh, I want to go back. Like one of the like overarching definitions of greed. And we've talked about like greed as wanting what is, wanting what isn't, wanting what doesn't exist, etc. But this one kind of struck me is that greed as an undesirable is because it creates conflict between personal and social goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just yeah, that's, that's simple, a, right? right? Capitalism, big piece of the pie thing. And it's like, is this for me or is this for society? One of the statements that kind of drove me away from my extended family was my grandfather and his wife both having SUVs saying, we're going to get our share of it. It just, it, right? it, it hurt. It hurt yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And one fun thing, you know, I love languages and linguistic and words and word origins. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you this. I wish I'd started with this is that I spent a solid six and a half minutes of my boss's time getting paid working with avarice right <laughs> mm-hmm. you you start to recognize patterns right the a on like the neg- the negatory the negation like uh atonal no tone anechoic mm-hmm. there is no echo um apathy there is no pathos um right i was like i really wanted there to be a virus or like a virus as a word of like giving or sharing or dispersing of wealth unless avarice is a virus yeah no. it's it's it translates to have a rice yeah exactly <laughs> have some rice so i think i'm going to like make the word varus who is very varical mm-hmm. he had a lot of varage 
Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, right? Right? <laughs> Who says I can't make new words? I nobody, nobody, nobody. Uh-uh. Uh, on the counter argument to the idea of greed being a force for like security, Ecclesiastes the sleep of a laborer is sweet, but for the rich, the, their abundance permits them no sleep. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners. Mm. When you have everything, everything can be stolen. When you have nothing, nothing can be stolen. Ooh. Okay. Oh, who wrote that? Ecclesiastes, Bob Ecclesiastes. Robert Ecclesiastes mm-hmm. obviously never worked a day in his life. The sleep of the laborers the is the sweet. <laughs> the sleep of the laborers is sweet because they're out all day working, plowing them fields and chopping them trees. They go home, they're tired. Of course, they're going to sleep sweet. It's true. It's there. The, the, your, right. your argument is heard. Wait, like as in a bunch of cows? No, yes, no, no. I acknowledge, I acknowledge what Something. you say has an element of truth to it. <laughs> uh, but Robert Ecclesiastes is probably of the priestly and or scribal class Ugh, or you said a porn star mm-hmm. no, I, don't, I don't think so can can i go back to paul for a second sure. only, oh, if, you, no. only yes. if you invoke porn i know we have to roll back the the tide here for a bit um but yes yeah, so paul is your first porn star a few people know that but um this is where you know i was trying to remember where the concept of greed as a source of all evil came from but uh, we kind of go back to first century Judaism mm-hmm. um, and ideas of land uh, was not, there's no sense of ownership over mm. land because it's life. Mm. And so the Romans kind of perverted everything by actually like coming in and owning land and taking land away. Mm-hmm. And so the first kind of ecclesia uh, case or situation in the ecclesial court or uh, the first ecclesial court education that uh, you know we know so far or is so far in 2002 when this speech this uh lecture was given but was the ownership over the ownership of land agreed over its proceeds so Ananus and his wife Sapphira had sold some land and claimed that they had given the proceeds to support their fledgling Christian community but they kept a, a portion back and um, Peter condemns them for the action, and they fall dead at his feet. But this goes back to Adam and Eve, or we're also going back to Adam and Eve as that they are the source of sin because Boniface, uh, I forgot what number Boniface, greed also was the most un- unholy of beginnings. So was she, important, she here too, was not created according to any laws of God or nature. Instead, she was delivered out of the bowels of the serpent in the Garden of Eden after they were expelled. So he envisions her as having the serpent's teeth of, of her progenitor and having in her full maturity the unattractive habit of bragging constantly about the thousands of humans who she has sent to hell's fire with her prodigious and venomous bite. But this is where we get the saying in Italian, La Manetta, e il merde di, del diavolo. Can you, Jamin, I'm sure you know what that means. I, <clears throat> salmonella. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cabanuva. Yep. 
That's an antiretroviral drug. Okay. So yeah, you're pretty close. So money is the feces of the devil. Okay. I like that. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. And then there's another much longer Italian saying that uh, translates to when the devil tempts you, he uses money. After he has consumed your soul, he defecates more money. So this kind of right. also goes into the whole idea of, yeah, like it is, it's, it's, it's a vicious cycle. Vicious cycle. Yes. So expensive cycle. I think we touched on this a little bit in the last time period, but um, we said that the the love of money is the root of all evil is kind of a Greco-Roman idea that Mm -hmm. came into the Bible. And it's interesting that it's the love of money is the root of all evil, because I've heard people say money is the root of all evil. And that kind of what you just said kind of emphasizes that. But Rome was a very like alms driven place, like kind of you gave you gave alms that make you a better person. Mm -hmm. So having money in this in this this text, having money is not the crime, the sin, loving the money is the sin. You can be rich as long as you give. Right. And Mm -hmm. that's a very, that's kind of prosperity gospel ish. Yeah. Like the sin of the couple who sold their land was not that it was, you know, they claimed that they'd given this money to the community and had kept some back. So the sin was not selling their property or getting money for it. It was not using it for the benefit of the community and lying about it. Mm. Right. So you're allowed to make money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I'd like to take some time to talk about the Prince of Greed, uh, Mammon, Mm -hmm. uh, who is of the, of the various princes of the deadlies, I think possibly the least interesting one historically. And that is because as a, named demonic entity he's got a very recent existence it does not extend backwards very far right okay i was talking with my mormon friend down the road and she asked me kind of the strange question of do you believe in mammon like as an entity it's like well i don't know what i believe but him i believe least in so Um, how did that come up like were y'all and she's just like hey we were having curiosity (laughs) we were having dinner and i was packing up and i said well i've got to go research mammon now Oh, okay. It was within a context. Yeah, there was a context. Yes. Okay. She wasn't going down like the dictionary of demons <laughs> and asking you about each one in turn. No, that would be a long conversation. She'd still be there. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I mentioned this a few times. There was an author named Michael Heiser, who I, I like a lot. And he talks about the concept of pseudo demons, which is like refam plague. It's kind of giving a name to something so you can discuss it in metaphorical terms mm-hmm. and um, anthropomorphizing it to have a conversation with it or about it without necessarily having this be a true entity. Like the Jewish people did not believe that plague came on swift wings. They just talked about it. Don did not actually have rosy fingers. Uh, so the pseudodemon is something that we, 2,000 years later, have said, well, they obviously believe this, and these are named entities, but maybe Moloch isn't actually a named entity. Maybe Mammon isn't a named entity. And that is def- that feels like it's the case with Mammon, because his name is basically a word for greed. Mm-hmm. And while he represented greed in like things like you cannot serve both God and Mammon, kind of giving mm-hmm. it a personality and an identity, it's more of a metaphor. His name in Old Hebrew means money without any real social context. It's just money. 
But over time, starts to be a very negative word, more about dishonesty, the impropriety of wealth, the love of money is the root of all evil and Timothy, that sort of thing. In Latin, mammon is, is the word that gets translated. So it's kind of a Latin gloss over, over the Hebrew. But over 2000 years, it becomes a, he becomes a real figure, I guess, uh, particularly in the Middle Ages, like around 1100 or so, Peter Lombard, Bishop of Paris, says that riches are called by the name of a devil that is mammon. So kind of hedging it a bit. Mm-hmm. And then 1350, he appears in Pierce Plowman as a very kind of casual mention, kind of kind of in a Pluto type context. Oh, the, the, the God, not the dog. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> you know, I got really excited that. there. <laughs> <laughs> Pluto like concept. Gosh. <laughs> the, um, the lists of the demons, uh, that's the Lantern of Light in 1410, lists the dev- deadlies with demon princes. Binsfeld picks it up in 1590 or so, almost unchanged, minor edits to like sloth and the order of things. And by then we're getting the sense that Mammon is being demonized more. It was it was a time where people were making lists of sins. This is kind of at the Reformation period of increased supernaturalism and increased interest in demonic mm. concepts. Mm-hmm. But over time, I think that now Mammon is kind of dropped in context as, again, an, an analogy, uh, a metaphor for wealth, the desire for wealth, covetousness, covetous, that sort of thing. And he's become a pseudo-demon once again after briefly being kind of a, a incarnated sort of entity. But there's a really great picture of him in Paradise Lost, 1667, so kind of in the middle of the Reformation period, is that I think, or that early enlightenment, I don't know, mm. but um, uh, there stood a hill not far whose grisly top belched fire and rolling smoke. The rest entire shone in a shone with a glossy scurf, undoubted sign that in his womb was hid metallic ore, the work of sulfur. Thither, winged with speed, a number of brigands hastened, as when bands of pioneers with spade and pickaxe armed forerun the royal camp to trench a field or cast a rampart. Mammon led them on, Mammon, the least erected spirit that fell from heaven. For even in heaven, his looks and thoughts were always downward bent, admiring more the riches of heaven's pavement, trodden gold, than aught divine or holy else enjoyed in vision beatific. Mm, so he's so busy looking down. Yeah, I guess oh, it was a shorter fall for him. Interesting. But yeah. uh, hard-pressed to find any description of him other than that. Uh-huh. Thomas Aquinas says that avarice is mammon being carried up from hell by a wolf coming to oh. inflame the heart with greed. And yeah. uh, in the Divine Comedy, Plutus appears. He's a very wolfy demon of wealth. So he does kind of have a bit of a lupine association. Demonfacts.com, which is your go-to source for nothing, <laughs> uh, says that he's either a kind of statue of something like gold or diamonds or a ravenous beast or kind of wolfy and canine. Ah. Although his picture in the Dictionary Infernal is a little Scrooge-like king clutching onto bags of um, gold and such. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting, yeah. Sometimes, though, it's a, he's a synonym for Satan or Lucifer, so mm-hmm. he is also kind of a creature that has worn the devil hat. Just like Beelzebub, I suppose. Yes, and Beelzebub. Mm-hmm. Beelzebub is actually, I think Aquinas kind of says a direct synonym. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Interesting. Is it Beelzebub? No, Gregory of Nyssa says that Mammon is a name for Beelzebub, and that's 400 
AD. So that's probably the earlier, an earlier version of like incarnated mammon. Okay. And so does Baal have anything to do with this? Does Baal? I don't, I think mammon is not really a demon. Like I, th I think he's, he's an idea. Um, there are a lot okay. of Baal, 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 and things like that. And mm -hmm. mammon is not on that list. Oh, okay. Hmm. Because he didn't really, he wasn't a thing. Um, so, I mean, demons are made up? That's, no, that's money very, is made up. Money. A, that is a very difficult conversation. I don't want to have it. I know, I know. I think some demons are real, some are made up. Um, well, that kind of brings up a point uh, earlier in my readings where there was there was a brief talk about demons and fighting against your own, like fighting against demons, fighting against like your own that's part of your personal battle is to fight against your demons, whether they be physical demons or your, you know, psychological demons. But the thinking about the idea of like demons can also drive us to do good in that battle. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So demons are a construct in many cases to force us to do something. Yeah. If you if you give it an identity, you can wrestle with it. Exactly. Yeah. You got to name it. Right. So sh I kind of want to go back to another, what is the definition of thing? Because that's yes. right. I think mm -hmm. the de deadly sins all bleed into each other. They all feed from each other and are related to each other. So avarice versus greed versus covetousness. Okay. And I don't, I think it's difficult to find differences between avarice and greed. They're very similar words. Webster's avarice is a selfish desire for wealth or gain. Greed is an excessive desire for more and more and more and more and more. Mm -hmm. I don't know how gluttony figures into this because it feels like a related concept. Is gluttony more the acquisition of the thing and greed is the It's drive? a hunger for the thing. Yeah. And also the hoarding of the thing, like the not letting go of it. Yeah. Avarice has a stronger association with like stuff, mm, but they're very mm -hmm. near synonyms. I'm always confused about covetousnesses because I get confused with the Ten Commandments where it's its own thing, like coveting, right? I think it's it's envy too. Like it is yeah, a very exactly. related thing. Covetousness is covetousness is jealousy over someone else's stuff. Right. And it poisons you. Like the, the envy the envy can twist you up. And I can I, I guess I have trouble with that being a synonym of greed or avarice because it's not about the acquisition of the thing it's more again like this future looking thing yeah oh covetousness of, is not a synonym it's its own thing yeah which yeah. so it doesn't in my like every time i saw it i was like but wait we're talking about greed but that future proofing thing that kind of does help because avarice uh covetousness and envy is is a now moment like that's mm. a that is a my personal suffering can be assuaged by your goods okay um, rather than future planning and a, a desire for concrete stuff. If only we had a linguist to maybe help us out here. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> it's not Greco-Roman. I'm out. Okay. Well, I mean, you did talk about Avaris a little bit, so. <laughs> a Varus. A Varus. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, you're, we're talking about gluttony and... I feel like there was a character that we talked about when we talked about gluttony that kind of conflated greed and gluttony. Oh, like one of your famous gluttons? Yeah, one of my famous gluttons. You have Anybody? so many. <laughs> I think it was one that Jamin really liked. And uh, 
Was yeah. it? Uh, it was Diamond Jim Brady. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Where uh-huh. Diamond Jim Brady, he would like, the story was he would go to dinner. He'd sit back six inches from the table and just like eat nonstop until his belly touched the table. And then he'd stop. He knew when his, what his limits were. He'd stop. He's like, okay, I'm done. I've had my 12 dozen oysters, right? Mm-hmm. And that was very much gluttony. He loved to eat. He loved to show off how much he could eat. And he had, like, he was an oil baron. He was a railroad baron. He was a diamond baron. He had lots and lots of things. But he seemed kind of like a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was mm-hmm. Diamond Jim Brady greedy or just glutton? Uh, or just a glutton? Question mark. I mean, he he had a vast collection of of gems and such diamonds. Yeah, diamonds for sure. He was a society person. Um, I think one thing that we've learned about um, as as we read Tundell together is that it is very easy to be um, a fun jerk, mm. and you can spend tons of money on entertainment and not greedy necessarily, or not 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 be greedy. <laughs> Right. Like he's kind of the Tony Soprano or he had the first car in New York City. Really? Really? I would believe that. I would 100 percent believe that. Yeah. So, I, I mean, he's he's kind of, you know, column A, column B, possibly column C uh, as a character that is, you know, loves loves plenty. I mean, gluttony is about consumption. You can't consume without money necessarily. Mm-hmm. Or it makes it easier for sure. Um, he just doesn't have, maybe, maybe he's okay with spending money on himself, which is, I think that's, that's, that's both sins. Yeah. It's mm. kind of trickle down, trickle down too. like, okay, so he is kind of creating an economy through his, uh, consumption, right? His luncheon consisted of two or three deviled crabs. <laughs> See, everything's a crab. Yes. I'm in Jim's lunch. Yes. <laughs> Even the devils. <laughs> yeah, that sounds, I don't know why that sounds good, but it sounds good. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I think some a figure like him and the other <laughs> famous gluttons that were pretty disgusting. He was probably the least disgusting famous glutton, I would say. He, he seems like a kind of nice guy. Yeah. yeah, he looks he looks dignified, if a little bit, you know... Chubby. Um, uh, he he looks he looks like a millionaire. Honestly, he looks like a millionaire. Mm. Uh-huh. He looks in, in his wiki picture. He's very kind of he looks preoccupied. He's <laughs> <laughs> got his money on his mind. Mind yeah, on his I'd, money and his money on his mind. I'd like that to be on my tombstone. It's like Jamin Bickle looked preoccupied. <laughs> but he, I feel like this kind of goes back to the idea of like prosperity gospel and mm. seeing this seeing wealth as a virtue or kind of like, Oh, they, there's something to be learned from this that we can learn by being in the vicinity or like in this person's thrall. Right. Mm. We know. admire certain kinds of sinners. I don't know about wrath. Uh, wrath. Yeah. I think we do. Yeah. Um, I think we admire all of them. <laughs> yeah. 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 Bad, bad, bad boys and all that. Mm-hmm. And girls. Okay. True. Truth, truth. is supposedly yeah. female. Mm-hmm. Particularly, I, like I like this. I mean, as like massing up guy points, like the amount you can eat is definitely you know one one way of getting those points. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, definitely. Uh huh. 
<laughs> Let's not have a discussion about the genders of the deadly sins, though. I feel like it'll go down a tube. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I know. I'd, and again, like, yeah, this, it's just notable that greed and all of this stuff is often female or exclusively female apart from mammon. Hmm. As, Unless, as, an ent- as an entity, yes, I think I think you're right. Uh-huh. If, but, 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 but a lot of the sins are. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Because it's blaming everything on women is a fun exactly, thing to do. Exactly, exactly. We're to blame for everything. So, so I talking about women being to blame for everything. Right. Uh, I just want to go uh, back a little ways and then kind of move forward to how as our understanding or our relationship to um, to religion in general as it changed. So too did our relationship to greed change. Hmm. And so going back, you know, and talking about um, Boniface, uh, how, you know, the serpent was, uh, serpent excreted greed. So we have this sense of like, greed was created in the garden, was a feature of the garden. So it's attached to Adam and Eve's original sin. So Mm. a lot of the earlier works related to greed still kind of came from that original sin idea. But we started to see a change with that. Can I I throw out a prediction? Yes. My, my, having not read any of this material you're about to talk about, Uh um, my, my gut instinct is that we moved away from a lower threat greed because greed was about a community relationship and into a higher threat greed because greed was about the uh, fourth estate. Mm. Well, I think that's part of it. I'm going to talk a little bit about more of a relationship to greed rather than effects or dangers of greed situation, but that's part of it. Um, So this kind of takes us to representations in art, specifically thinking about Bosch because we have the famous, you know, the, the things that everybody knows, the... Uh, the Garden of Earthly Delights. Exactly. But that's, there's, that's his big one. That's his big one. That's his hit. It's really big. <laughs> it is. But there's also the uh, Hay Wayne. Have you seen the Hay Wayne? No. So uh, it's another triptych. Do you know this one, Jamin? The name. It's... Uh, tell, us, tell, tell us about the Hay Wayne. So um, this starts with Adam and Eve, just like everything does. Um, And it's a progression of Adam and Eve's sin through the seven deadlies on earth and then to hell. But it's a little different in that. So we start with Adam and Eve, but there's a sense of motion that is not present in the other paintings. So you have the one panel is from top to bottom, like the story of the Garden of Eden. But then you see Eve kind of looking off to the next panel, which is you know, actually like earth or, you know, mm-hmm. what's happening in, um, in our world. And it is, uh, there's, you know, again, stuff happening up in the sky. There's an angel looking up to Jesus who's, or God, who's looking down and seeing all of the sinners sinning, some of them pleasantly, it's not all bad, <laughs> but they're all trying to scramble up on a hay, uh, hay, hay uh, cart, which is right. a hay lane, and um, they're getting crushed under the wheels of the oh, hay, it, hay it wagon. Stopped, it stopped being nice. It stopped being nice. But again, that sense of motion, then taking them on into hell where they suffer the punishments 
But what's interesting about this to a lot of uh, art theorists and, and philosophers is that this is a moment where we start to have sin kind of out of remove. Um, like we're distanced from it because it's sort of this foreshadowing of somebody else's journey rather than ours. Like it's sort of, it's, it's still something to learn from, but we're starting to get this separation from the actual sin. Like it's not necessarily a battle happening within us. Mm. This is depiction, but it's not as visceral. It's, it's hard to depict an internal battle and have it be interesting enough to fill up a triptych. Right. Yeah. So, so it kind of is at this remove, but then we talk about Bruegel, who's again, you know, has fairly traditional studies of the sins, but there's uh, another etching called big fish eat little fish. Do you know okay. this one? That's a Dr. Seuss novel. It's very similar. It is so similar. If you look at it, it's, it could be exactly the same thing, but uh, as you know, I like to bring cannibalism into everything. Right. <laughs> everything's a crab. Everything's cannibalism. Um, but so this etching depicts this giant fish and uh, he's being cut open and all kinds of sea creatures are coming out of the wound. But then he's also uh, fish are coming out of his mouth. Those smaller fish also have fish coming out of their mouths. Oh. And there's all kinds of stuff going on in the background with fish eating other fish, all kinds of like sea creatures that should not be eating each other, eating each other. The Flemish masters are really good with obsessive detail. Oh my God. There's all kinds right. of weird stuff happening in the background. And um, there is a man, there's a boat in the front where one guy's like pulling a fish out of an eel or an eel out of fish or something. And there's a man and his son, and there are two uh, captions to the image. One is the Latin phrase, um, great fish feed on the lesser. And then right. underneath that is the Flemish inscript as a Flemish inscription that's based on that. It says, look, son, I've long known that the big fish eat the small. So again, this is like this dispassionate view of greed where like, this is just how it is. Like we are starting to accept that this is the order of the world where your big guys are going to win. Hmm. Jamin. But if you open the biggest fish, you look inside and see that his tongue has been replaced <laughs> by a smaller fish. <laughs> Maybe who that was ate the inspiration. The big fish's tongue and become the symbiotic tongue. <laughs> Maybe that's the inspiration for this. I didn't even like some poor Flemish dude. Somehow that South American fish made it all the way. The only way <laughs> to fight to greed. The only way to fight greed is to eat the rich's tongue. Mm-hmm. Oh, thing eat the this, rich. this is horrifying me a little bit. <laughs> okay, so we'll, we'll move away. Um, but so then. We go to the Reformation, of course, where we're trying to figure out, okay, so trying to wrestle oh. with the Odyssey, right? And the Odyssey, the, the Odyssey, not the okay. Odyssey, the right. Odyssey. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. um, but this is an interesting moment for Tickle because she, we talk, talking about Martin Luther and one of a best, one of the best quotes from here, from her uh, lecture is that what died at Wittenberg was Olympian, what came was urban. So the sense of like now everything is sort of we're no longer in the world of 
like these epic gods and you know we're we're down into like well you know as we talked about saying like satan within like everything is kind of more on a personal scale and in you know we start to have kind of concerns about social con the social contract and so everything starts to get more secularized as does the idea of greed because it starts to become part of that social like okay so greed now becomes this sin against the social contract Mm, rather mm. than like a personal sin that can be, you know, prayed away or, you know, punished away or, you know, paid away. It has to do more with political issues, economic issues and social issues. Um, but there is also this interesting thing about Darwinism because you start to have the idea of, well, Darwinism and other natural scientists at that time were looking a lot at the Enlightenment and sort of also wrestling with the idea of like, how can you have this supposedly benevolent God that has also created all of these terrible things, yes. right? And so... Sea urchins. God created yeah. sea urchins. <laughs> but like, you know, this very... Pro like, there's a lot of problematic stuff in the world. So, you know, Darwin struggled with his faith and mm. ideas of like, okay, natural selection, what does this mean? You know, how does this uh, align with the story of creation? But um, the whole the whole idea of, you know, survival of the, of the fittest starts to become this, you know, this kind of apology for greed, too. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so you have this kind of move from greed being this question of religion to greed being a question of morality or ethics and a social issue, political issue, economic issue, rather than one dealing with your soul. So that sends my TED talk. This kind of brings me back to where we started, which is I wanted to kind of talk about our relationship with, with the sins and how has our relationship to greed changed over the course of this conversation over our, discussions um, I, I had personally strongly associated greed with the monetary idea mm -hmm. and okay. i don't i do not care about money but but i'm a very acquisitive person okay but will you you acquire books ideas books ideas dishes mm -hmm. um mechanical items i just for no clear reason bought the um the technomancer wizard hoodie where you kind of like you can cast spells while wearing it Whoa. you got that <gasps> i didn't yes i didn't need it but it is it is coming now i got that shortly before my car died so i i regret my choices and you know what i have a hard time like not spending you know 20 bucks on a whatever mm -hmm. even yeah. if i don't have 20 bucks to spend on whatever mm. i'll get it next month it balances out right right yeah and it's only 20 bucks yeah, yeah, yeah. My house is filled with with items that cost twenty bucks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't even like grimoires; they're so dull. <laughs> he has so many grimoires. It's true. You keep hoping it's the future thing. Like you keep hoping that you're going to find the right one, and you can't find that until you buy all of them. Yeah, yeah. Or or start writing them. Ooh. Have mm -hmm. Have your comfort levels with greed changed over our time together? 
Comfort level. Jamin. Yes. No, you go first. Comfort level level. I want to hear yours because I'm I, I have a good go ahead. I want you to go first. Uh okay, so my comfort level with greed. Um I yeah. Again, like, yeah, I I would say my acquisition again is like just rando information. Also, things that I fear are gonna go away. This is again goes to the future thing. Like I if I think, okay, so I want to, I collect, you know, old Halloween costumes. Okay, so my, uh, the thing that I have to fight against is that I have to buy them all up because they won't be here anymore. Oh, you have an ephemera hoard. That's dangerous. Yes, I have, an, I have an ephemera. That's my thing, like ephemera. Like I love ephemera. And so that's why my my shelves in here are covered with all kinds of weird things like wallpaper books and wrap like vintage wrapping paper and old encyclopedias and because yeah. it's like what if, what if all this stuff goes away and i need it all you know but right all kinds of crap but uh so it is a preservation hoarding thing um but also i forgot where i was going with this oh yes i'm depressed by the idea that over time greed has just become something that is like the whole big fish little fish thing like mm. just kind of throw up your hands like this is the way it is and i think that's hot that's that's highly problematic because it does sort of if you think that that's how it is then you're going to constantly support people taking advantage of each other you know but you're curating the present for the future right yeah that's what it. if <laughs> what if someday someone says, what did we have in the past in this one niche genre? Mm -hmm. And you can say, oh, allow me to elaborate. Mm -hmm. Look thee upon my shelves. Mm -hmm. Like, Why did kids in the 70s cut their tongue so much? And it's like, I can answer that. Look at this Halloween mask with a tiny, tiny mouth hole that you can't not try to stick your tongue through. <laughs> one of the little mini lecturettes i was reading or watching over the greed thing kind of it, it it put me in a really uncomfortable place and i don't know if it's angry uncomfortable or self-justification uncomfortable they uh -huh. it said um you know we don't recognize greed as a common sin right now um, what it's in fairness it, rich 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 is a virtue and a vice at the same time mm. like but as like Scrooge said, there's nothing that society condemns more than the acquisition of wealth, except um, not having it. Something along mm -hmm. those general lines. Mm -hmm. So this this writer then says, um, it's, it's it, we can be blind to this sin of greed because we're in an abundant place. But a visit to the developing world will take will open your eyes. Uh, what looks like normal life to us can appear greedy to those who come from a very different difficult different context. And that was hard to read um because it changed the entire argument from wanting and desiring to having as being a sin mm. that was hard and mm -hmm. i don't know how i feel about it i don't okay everything i have is used i still have it <laughs> right like yeah we i have so much and we you know i know we both are thrift store people and yeah i i i don't like to buy like i get really really sad when say i go to the outlet mall and i see like a hundred red t-shirts <laughs> all exactly the same it's like 
why do they keep making red t-shirts? There's a <laughs> surplus of red t-shirts out there, you know? But I was also, there's, a, you know, stuff about Nietzsche and kind of the, you know, the, the salvation of the human race being uh, reliant upon, what is it, like anger, greed, and there's something else. Poodles. Greed, envy, and hatred are what humans need to perfect themselves, which of course leads to, you know, the oh, terrible Nietzsche. things that we, we associate that with. Is, that's, that's kind of LeVay and Satanism there in some levels. It, it is, but it's also Ayn Rand, like it's objectivism, which has been, unfortunately, you know, every, you know, teenage boy mm. who listens to Rush, like thinks that Ayn Rand <laughs> is cool. And, you know, then you realize like, yeah, there's suffering in the world because of these things. It's not that, it's not that just if you, you know, climb on top of people, you know, like you should just do that because that will make everybody, you know, that's how you succeed or that's how you perfect the human race. Like, well, some people don't ever, like, there's nothing for them to climb on, you know? So, so yeah, that's hmm. um, also hmm. where we've kind of landed with, with greed. Jamin, where? you haven't said anything. Okay. So I said at the beginning, sloth. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go back to something I said, where it's like the conflict between personal and social goals. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, I have more focus on personal goals than social goals. That greed is more about my own goals, my own sleeping until 9am, mm -hmm. my own, like not dealing with you and your parties and your birthdays and your whatever <laughs> like i cannot be arsed to go to your birthday party please let me be that's very that's very greedy of me yes it is. and so my sloth is very much greed inspired and i had not realized that until we talked about this tonight oh, and I, right? I, other other writers have spoken of generosity of time and generosity of self as no, me no just me I'm the only one that has mentioned this. Well, okay, now we're in, now we're in pride. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I can see your point, Jamin, because right. I guess like my thing about envy is also like I'm greedy for attention. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, I see you laughed at their joke. Let me also tell a joke. <laughs> oh, Greed dear. is very, very invasive it, yeah that's a good word mm -hmm. it's the mother of all that. sins it's the mother of all sins i think i yeah. think whoever said that was right <laughs> i did i said that well i believe that next episode will be tackling the least ambitious of sins the sin of lust oh we already did lust the sin of sloth. Let me try it again. <laughs> I like leaving that in. <laughs> He's so lazy. He can't even remember what we've done. We're I'm just going to reuse, I'm gonna reuse my show notes from sloth. Uh, also, one of my favorite demon princes is there. So I'm looking forward to that one as well. Ooh, that's exciting. <laughs> but until then, we shall see you in hell. All righty. Ladies and gentlemen. Bye-bye. Toodles.
This podcast is copyright 2023 by The Dispatchist and is Creative Commons. You're welcome to reuse with attribution. Look for us on your favorite podcast app. Say hi to us on Twitter or Gmail at The Dispatchist, no spaces. Check out our website, dispatch.ist, for episodes, show notes, and a variety of hellish resources. <laughs>